0: This is the Mark Stucheski podcast. Mayan Gordon, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am super excited to have you on because, well, we're going to talk about a little interesting topic about tattoos. We're also going to talk about, she's like the queen of TikTok, but before we get started, Mayan, who are you and what do you do?
1: Yeah. Who am I? Great question. I am someone who is just deeply passionate about other people and the connections and relationships that we can form through social media. And so what I do is I help people build their personal brands and their business brands using social media, typically in, in, in an organic sense. I don't do a lot of paid advertising, but a lot of content creation. And then I'm also someone who's very artistic. Like you said, I have some tattoos. I'm a glass glassblower. Um, I've got a huge TikTok following of more than 2.3 million followers. And I love the outdoors and spending time with my four dogs.
0: Four dogs. Well, I have one. So you got to tell me what <laughs> are the types of dogs you have?
1: I have two pit bulls who are two very different types of pit bulls. One's very fat. The other is very skinny. <laughs> and then I have a German Shepherd mini mutt. She's maybe 40 pounds um, but has all the German Shepherd kind of markings and colorings. And then we have a black brindle French bulldog.
0: You know, I love dogs because when my wife and I go out for, if we're gone for a couple hours, we come back, we get greeted like we return from the war. And I, I think we need, as human beings, we need to look at how dogs are non judgmental and how much they love us because us human beings can be jerks sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it feels so good to just look in their faces and and see that love pouring out at you every single time you do it.
0: Absolutely. So I, I want to go in so many directions on this show, so I'm just going to pick one. I'm fascinated by your tattoos. As we, we were discussing before we hit record, um, I, I hate needles. And you shared with me that you don't mind getting tattoos, but you don't, like me, like going to get your blood drawn.
1: Yeah, I think you know the blood drawn is probably a combination of I also don't like blood, <laughs> um, but but the needles so big that they use and it's so visible and there's just something that you know slithers inside me when I when I see that the tattoo gun though you really almost can't see the the needles at all and you can kind of just watch the ink because as they're injecting it, you know, beneath your skin, it kind of pools at the, at the surface of your skin as well.
0: Now I live in a sheltered life and I don't know too many people have had tattoos. So I got to ask you why have a tattoo or in your case, you have a sleeve technically, right?
1: I do. I have a full sleeve on my right
0: arm. So why did you decide, you know, I want to start getting tattoos and you know what? I want to go all the way and get a full sleeve. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I worked myself up to it. I was his one. So my first tattoo I got is on my leg of a tiger standing on a yin yang symbol. And um, I got that when I was 18. So I think part of it was young rebellion, right? Like I wanted to kind of go against the grain. Um, I grew up in a pretty strict household in terms of rules, even around like what we could eat Um, We kept uh, Orthodox Jewish kosher. So we had to only eat from certain places and eat certain types of foods. And my parents were vegetarian. So a lot of limitations in the household. Um, And I just wanted to rebel plus art, right? Tattooing to me has always been just this incredible art where each artist really develops their own style. Um, And the idea of getting permanent artwork on my body, that meant something to me. Um, really was something that, that I liked the idea of.
0: Now, how long did it take for you to get the whole sleep done?
1: It took six months of wow. sessions. Not, not one session, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was broken up into somewhere. I, I'd have to go back and count, but somewhere around 10 to 12 tattoo sessions that were spaced wow. uh, two weeks apart each.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Well, I've seen them they're gorgeous. They're very well done. So good on you. Um, so I want to switch over to branding because I'm 55 and I remember when I remember a time when there was no social media and there's no cell phones. Uh, now we have, uh, see if I can get them all. We have Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, uh, clubhouse. Did I forget any I think Pinterest,
1: those are major oh, Pinterest, um, yeah. Reddit, what? I mean, there's yep. a million right there. And then there are a million smaller ones.
0: Yes, exactly. So now you're really big on TikTok and you are a glassblower. So what was the first platform you were on? Do you remember?
1: Yeah. I mean, the very first platform I was on was probably AIM Instant Messenger. Wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if people remember back in the day. That was like do, the yep. first social media platform, in my opinion. Um, but, you know. And then I was, I'm that perfect age. I'm 29 years old um, for people that are listening. So I grew up through the MySpace, through the Facebook, like as every new social media platform has emerged, I've been that kind of perfect age for being interested to adopt onto it or into it. And the first one that I really got into, I would say was Facebook and then Instagram um, before TikTok and LinkedIn.
0: Do you know what the major platform was before MySpace?
1: I do not.
0: Friendster. Friendster oh, was out. And Friendster went away and then MySpace went, came and then, then Facebook came out and took over the world. I never did anything with Friendster. I think I was on MySpace for like five minutes. Uh, it, I think it was more for musicians. But it's just you know fascinating for me to step back and look at the trend, how we went from Friendster to MySpace to Facebook and Twitter. Tw- Facebook and Twitter haven't been around that long. I mean, if you look at the scope of my 55 years, it's still relatively brand new. And now we have Clubhouse. We have TikTok, which is real hot. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I think is the Nostradamus of social media. So, uh, Snapchat's coming back in 2021. Of course, nobody really knows. I'm just fascinated to see how all these platforms are changing. And what I used to make, and maybe you could talk about this, one of the problems I used to do made a mistake is I would create one piece of content and force it on all the platforms. Now you could take the content, but you've got to customize it for that platform, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so that's pretty much what I do. I mean, depending on which platform some platforms are just non-congruent at all. So um TikTok and I would say LinkedIn for the most part are pretty non-congruent in terms of just being able to straight directly, like you said copy the content from one platform to another. What you can do, though, is contextualize any content from one platform to another. So you can say, hey, Instagrammers, we just posted this video on TikTok, and here's what people are saying about it. Or go join them in this new hot trend that's trending over there. So you can kind of talk to... People on one platform about the other audience that you have on another platform, but otherwise, you really want to customize the content based on who the audience, the kind of main audience, is on each platform. So LinkedIn, that's going to be more business minded people. TikTok, that's going to be more um, more young people, at least right now. But even more than that, I'd characterize it as like kind of fun, non judgmental, um, raw kind of content. And then Instagram's very different than that. It's much more polished, right? Instagram's the the nice, very beautiful, um, highly edited, you know, pictures and videos and and the great captions. Um, And so each platform you want to make sure that your content fits with all of those different styles
0: how i approach social media is linkedin's my number one platform i have the most followers there and that's mainly business so i've got the mark jeschusky profile and i also have mr productivity page what i decided to do is use snapchat tiktok and linkedin stories to share behind the scenes so Every day I go for a walk with my dog. We call it walk o'clock. And I, I learn from, you know, several social media people repurpose. So I record a 60-second video on Snapchat. I put that same video on TikTok. I splice it up in the 20-second stories and put that on uh, LinkedIn stories. I don't do anything with Facebook or, or Instagram. And then I take the audio and put it part of my podcast. So I'm taking one piece of content and I'm sharing it among several uh, different uh, social media outlets. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great strategy. I would refer to that, and so would uh, Gary Vee, as your pillar of content, right? You're kind of creating one pillar and then micro content from that pillar and distributing it to different platforms. I think that's a really great way, especially for people who either are really busy and don't necessarily have a lot of time to create like truly unique content for every single platform that's not what i'm suggesting i think that's that's a really heavy lift right to complete just a completely unique new idea piece of content every single day for all of these different platforms instead just tweak it a little bit and yeah distribute it to the platforms to stay consistent and to make sure that you're giving people a fair chance to get to know you because social media has gotten so crowded these days that just showing up with whatever that content is that is authentic to yourself is gonna be really helpful towards you know gaining traction.
0: Hey there, it's Mark and I will coach you for less than $2 a day, plus give you access to a group coaching call every single month. For more information, visit mrproductivity.com. And what's interesting is I got the idea for making a podcast from, I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast when I go running every morning at five fifteen, and he did this mashup. He was, I forget what the topic is. And I'm like, wait a minute. An idea just birthed into me and said, wait a minute. You could take these walk o'clock walks with your dog and make a podcast. And that's what I did. So I got that idea directly from Gary. Cause if you follow Gary, he says, look at don't just pay attention to the content. Look at what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, the idea clicked. I'm like, wait a minute. I could take the audio because the audio is good and put it in the podcast. And so what I want the listener to understand is if you keep paying attention, watch what end's doing. Watch what Gary's doing. Watch what Tony's doing. Not so much the exact content, but look at the methodology they're using because you can take that, tweak it, and use it for your platforms.
1: Yeah, the framework of it is is definitely something that anyone can take and then customize and make unique to their personality, to their you know content type. Um, there's so much you can do with that.
0: Let me put you on the spot here asking you if you can only be on three social media platforms. I think I know what number one is, but if you can only be on three platforms, what three would they be?
1: I think number one would be LinkedIn.
0: Oh, really? I thought you were going to say TikTok. I was wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I number two would be TikTok. And then number three, I think right now would be, oh, that's tricky. It would still be Instagram, even though Clubhouse would be a, a close runner up.
0: Interesting. Now, here's my thought on Clubhouse because I'm Mr. Productivity and everybody's all excited about Clubhouse. And my feeling is, number one, it's just audio only Zoom. Number right. two, since I became an entrepreneur in 2005, I was told to build your list, build your list, build your list. And I would build my list and go, "Ooh, look, new social media platform and lose my focus. Then I'd come back to building a list and I'd go back, back and forth. Had I not lost focus I there's no telling how large my email list would be the problem with clubhouse. I understand what clubhouse is, but with any social media platform, you cannot collect an email address to get people to see your content. And so I am back into right now. The season of my life is building my email list because I own the email list. I own the podcast. I mean, really who's going to kick Mr. Productivity off the platforms. I mean, I don't talk right. about anything controversial. So I, you have a media company and I'm sure that building your email list is pretty important to you guys.
1: Yeah, you know, it's actually something relatively new that we've been working on, mostly because we our, our company's fairly new champion empire started about eight months ago. So there was a lot of just really process building and team building and um, product development kind of in the beginning, and now we're at a phase where we feel really, really confident and good about our products. We've got um, a good track record with a number of customers that we brought on early, and we're ready to start kind of building that, that email list more significantly. And one thing to that I'll kind of share with you, not a lot of people know about, there's a new social media, obviously lots of new social media platforms popping up, but one in particular that's called Scobie Social that is actually specifically designed to address the issue that you just brought up around... You can't collect email addresses or have any type of real marketing funnel directly inside of through the social media platforms right now. With Scoby Social, they have designed it so that you can collect people's emails and like give people lead magnets and, and free offers and gifts within the app. And then even um, complete full email marketing campaigns directly through the same social media app. So keep your eye out for that. That's an interesting one.
0: Wow. Breaking news here on the Mark Schuchowski podcast. Um, Back in 2020, I took Marie Forleo's uh, B-School. I don't know if you heard of this. It's really a prestigious program. And one of the things that I learned from her course is don't have any social media icons on your website Until they sign up for your email list, because you don't want to work so hard getting people to come to your site. Then they click on TikTok or Snapchat or Facebook or LinkedIn, and then they go to those platforms and they forget about you. So a lot of people don't realize this. So what I do is once you sign up for my email list, then I tell you where I'm at. But you can't find out where I'm at until you're on my email list. And you think about that small shift, because if people click on your Instagram link and then they go follow you on Instagram, now they're looking at their feed and they may never come back to your website.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. I think it's the same uh, reasoning around like for, for us on our landing pages, we don't put a menu bar at the top because like we don't want people to click anywhere. As oh, we, that's and we a don't good want idea. That to be the first thing they see, we want them to go right to the opt-in box, put in their email, and then we can communicate with them hopefully for, for many years to come.
0: That is an excellent idea. I'm going to make a note, remove my menu bar. That is, you know, that's, that's boom. one of those, that, <laughs> boom, you know, that's, that's one of the things that everybody wants the big tip folks. This is a small thing, but think about people come to your homepage. You don't want them to have 17, 35 choices. You want them to do one thing, sign up for your email list. And I think I need to redo my website. So my homepage say, Hey, listen. Welcome. Sign up for my email list because, as you know, you're you're only twenty nine. So I don't know if you remember a time when there was only like maybe a handful of cereals in the cereal aisle at the store. (laughs) Now there's like 60 aisles And, and they've done research. The more choices you get people, they are less likely to take any action. So to your point, if you don't have the menu bar, well, guess what? They okay. What can I do? I can sign up for email list, or I can read or, or copy. That's it. And I think we need to get back to that because if you put obstacles in people's way, then they're they're going to get confused and leave.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And again, like you said, after they sign up, then you can send them. I mean, as much information as you want.
0: That you know that is gold. See. Folks, I learned from every one of my guests, and that's something I'm going to address today, because you know me, I'm Mr. Productivity. I will address that today. So let's let's pivot here a little bit. Let's let's get back over to glass blowing. Cause, you know, I, I have seen some of your videos on glass blowing, and I think it is it's art. It is incredibly I, I'm a, I'm amazed by it. When someone can take a piece of glass and they can, you know, heat it up and they can make different shades of it. I just think that is the coolest thing in the world. So tell us what got you into glass blowing?
1: Yeah, so what got me personally into glass blowing um, was cannabis and growing up in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> so, okay. so there were some really really nice smoke shops in um, Seattle that I would walk by before I was you know eighteen, and then when I turned eighteen and could finally go into them, um, would go in and just kind of marvel at how beautiful these pipes were—pipes that you would never guess were a pipe because it was shaped like a bonsai tree or. Like, you know, a bear catching a fish, like all of these amazing, essentially glass sculptures. Um, and I just I always thought that was very beautiful. Um, didn't really get into it then. But then later when I had started up a graphic design and sticker business, I just ended up having a lot of glassblower customers Uh, mainly because one glassblower had had gotten some stickers made for a trade show. And then at the trade show, there were hundreds of other artists that saw his stickers and were were talking to him and saying, hey, where'd you get those stickers? And so that was a a great source of just future business and referrals for us. Um, And then it got to a point where I realized I could barter stickers for glass. So instead of selling a pack of you know, a thousand custom stickers with an artist's logo on it for two hundred dollars. I would trade them for you know four to six hundred dollars worth of glass that they'd already made. It was sitting. They they were having trouble selling it, so they weren't necessarily doing anything with it. And then I would turn around and I would flip and sell that glass for like three to three hundred fifty dollars. So I would make more money than if I just straight up sold the stickers. And it was actually a lot easier to sell the glass than it was to sell stickers. And so after doing this for a while, I just thought I was like, you know, I should probably try making glass pieces because then I'd have a glass blowing business instead of a sticker business. And that sounds like a lot more fun.
0: One of the benefits of being a subscriber to my email newsletter is you get access to free weekly training from me. To sign up for my email newsletter, just go to mrproductivity.com. You know, I remember, I don't remember where it was, but I saw the first time I saw someone blow glass. I'm like, I was mesmerized because they heated up and they, as you know, they blow in this tube or whatever it's called. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. So the first time, take us back the first time that you heated up, uh, maybe you were in a class. I don't know. uh, You could share that with us and you heated the glass and you blew in that, I guess the pipe or something like that. How, how did that feel when you first did that?
1: Yeah. So first I'll give people a little bit of some background on there's two, I would say, main different types of glass blowing. One is called soft glass and it uses a giant furnace. Um, and you kind of dip a big, giant, long pole into the furnace and you gather up some hot glass. And usually you have a team of people working on a single piece. Um, That is not the type of glass blowing that I do. I do something called borosilicate, um, which is all done on a tabletop torch. So all of the work that I do is directly inside of the flame. I don't kind of dip the glass in a furnace and pull it out. All the work's done mostly directly in the flame. I might pull it out for a couple seconds. For example, if I am blowing into the tube, that's not done in the flame, but borosilicate cools down much more quickly. So you have to constantly be putting the glass back back into the flame. Um so the very first time I did took I take I took a one-on-one class with a friend that I'd just been friends with for about 8 or 9 years I think at that point um had met just through being in Seattle and going to different festivals um and I traded him a set of stickers, a custom set of stickers for this one-on-one lesson and it was amazing because I am terrible at drawing. And so I thought that I wasn't very artistic. And then when I was, you know, in this lesson, making something that turned out beautiful, mostly due to the properties of glass just naturally being, I think, fascinating to, to our eyes, I was just so fulfilled and it felt so good to be able to create something beautiful and express myself like in an artistic way. Um, so I fell in love with it from the very first lesson. And I was also just shocked at how quickly... I could make something. So again, even with me trying to draw a cat, for example, one, it's going to turn out really poorly, but it's still (laughs) probably going to take me quite a while to try and draw it versus uh, a glass piece I can make anywhere from like now I'm much faster. So I could make something that's actually beautiful in three minutes at probably the fastest um, and probably averaging around 10 minutes to make like a fully finished piece around the things that I enjoy making. Um, so, for me, that was super, super satisfying to be able to make beautiful things quickly.
0: Wow. I, I'm just, you know, as you're talking in my mind, I'm just thinking of all the times I've seen people make things out of glass. Because for me, you know, as a normal person, not that you're abnormal, but you can, you can, you're artistic and you can make glass. I'm like, I put water in a glass and I drink it. But that someone had to create that. Now, obviously, the glass I use at home, they didn't have someone like you making it. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, it's just amazing that glass can be so malleable because uh, we're used to if you drop it on the floor, it breaks. But it's malleable at a certain temperature, which I find utterly fascinating.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's another one of like the differences between soft glass and borosilicate is that strength and durability. So borosilicate is a very very strong type of glass. Um, and a lot of the the pieces that I make because they're small and dense, they actually won't break if you drop them, which is is pretty cool. So I make a lot of like necklace pendants, like um that you'd put on a a necklace and and wear. Um, you can also a lot of people will put them on their on their dog's collars or cat's collars or you know use them as a keychain. so there's like a lot of fun uses for them. Um, but y- I drop them all the time and, sometimes they do break or mostly chip more than they like shatter break the same way a drinking glass might you know shatter if you dropped it um but there's there's lots of different types of glass even outside of you know soft glass and borosilicate there's tempered glass there's like what they use in you know your house wind so there's there's a large variety and they all have different kind of strength properties and, and heating properties and things like that
0: wow well, I'll, I'll get off my uh, fanboy thing because I just think I could talk, <laughs> listen to you talk about this for a long time. It's very, very fascinating. So before we get to the uh, mic swap portion of the show, is there anything else you wanted to share with us today?
1: Yeah, I'd love to encourage people to reach out to me because one of the things that I'm really focused on is creating free resources. Um, so part of our, our company's core values is generosity and we're getting into a, a period of our company where we have more resources and energy and time to commit to our generosity mission and value. And so we just really—I I encourage anyone to reach out to me um, if they're looking for resources, if they're looking for any type of guidance, or if there's any type of help, I might—I might be able to provide them.
0: And on TikTok, your world of glass,
1: world of glass on TikTok, myon Gordon Media on Instagram, just Myon Gordon on LinkedIn.
0: Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that with us. A fascinating conversation with you, by the way. Thank you so much. But now we come to the part of the show where I allow you to be the temporary host of the Mark Stichowski podcast. You don't have to say my last name, so I just want to relieve that burden (laughs) from you. Um, Don't ask me anything about Social Security or credit card numbers, but anything else you want to know about me or any topic is on the table. If I don't know, I'll tell you. I don't know. So go ahead.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to know, what do you see as the three biggest differences in our society um, between right now and let's say when you grew up as a kid?
0: Well, I was born in 1965. So when I look at the when I grew up like like 70s and 80s, well, obviously, we didn't have the Internet, but we were still distracted. We were distracted. I would come up from school and I'd go outside and play soccer, football, basketball, whatever my friends. And uh, so we still have distractions. We only had three channels on TV. I know that's, that's another lifetime for you. Uh, You don't know that what that's like, my end. But uh, the, the three differences I would say is people were more patient back then. People were more trusting. I mean, a lot of times you didn't lock your doors and I think people were friendlier, believe it or not, back then, because you know, you hung around with your friends in your neighborhood because your parents weren't going to drive you across town. So you had to make friends in your neighborhood, whether it's an apartment complex or a subdivision, and you had to make friends. And if you didn't get along with them, you had to learn to make up really quickly because if you had like, say, eight friends and you're mad at all of them, well, you have no one to play with. So I would say those are three differences.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Do I get to ask you another question? Yes, you do. Wonderful. Um, What did you want to be? when you grew up when you were a kid
0: believe it or not i did not want to be mr productivity i did not (laughs) want to be a podcaster because they didn't have podcasting back in 1965 but my dad was a fire fireman okay he was a volunteer fireman he was everything from what they call an Indian, which is not politically correct anymore, but a rookie in the fire department that he made his way up to. He learned how to use all the fire trucks and an ambulance. And he became a second lieutenant, first lieutenant, captain, battalion chief, chief of the fire department and president. So I'm like, really cool. I can drive a car with lights and siren and all this other stuff. Now, I was a volunteer firefighter for a while. But. Um, and I, I had to get out because of health reasons, because I have something called vestibular nerve disorder. I found some black ice up in New York state back in 1989, but I want to be a fireman because my dad was a fireman. That's what I want to be when I grew up.
1: That's awesome. That is so cool. That's like a a dream scenario, I think for, for a lot of kids.
0: Yeah. And I, I tell you, you know, I wear glasses. So when I was in the, the fire department down here, a volunteer fire department here in West Houston, uh, you go into burning buildings. Okay. Now you're wearing a mask. I can't wear glasses, but that's no big deal because you can't see anything anyways. But when I had the the vestibular nerve disorder, you got to remember, if you trip on something in a dark room, you probably could stabilize yourself. With me, I couldn't. And I realized that I would put my crew at risk because if I fall, then they fall and then we can all get hurt. So I regrettably had to give up that. But I really loved helping the community as a firefighter. I was an EMT at one time up in New York and you talked about blood earlier. If it's someone else's blood. I don't have a problem with it, but it's my own blood. It could be a, a paper cut. I'm like, oh, I'm dying. So it's, it's just funny, but I, I'm, I'm with you on, on seeing my own blood there. So, well, two great questions. Thank you so much for asking them. Um, Maya, this has been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I knew you for a long time on LinkedIn, uh, but I didn't get to know you that well until now. So I have a, a entirely new appreciation for you. I mean, bla- glass blowing. Oh my goodness. Now, didn't you do something like twenty four hours of bla- glass? Why am I why am I saying blast glass blowing? Um, didn't you do something like that not too long ago?
1: Yeah. So this December, um, two thousand twenty. Yeah. Yeah we we did a twenty four. Me and my husband did a twenty four hour straight glass blowing live stream. I was able to do the first twelve hours kind of straight before I needed um, a break, and then we kind of tag teamed the the last twelve hours. It was. It was a lot, honestly, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I I tried in my mind to be like, you know, oh, this is no big deal. It's going to be easy. You got this. And then it was actually really hard.
0: I Um, bet
1: it was. We did that that to raise money for uh, three different charities. So that was was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. So final question for you. If there is one takeaway you want the listener of this podcast episode to, to walk away with, what would that one takeaway be?
1: That one takeaway would be that you have everything inside of you that you need to be successful, that you need to achieve absolutely anything that you've ever dreamed of. All you need to figure out how to do is unlock that potential, unlock those latent skills and abilities and talents. And the way that you unlock those talents and abilities is through action. So, you know, get to it, start taking some awesome actions. And I just, I believe in every single person listening to this and out there
0: and no more excuses. Exactly, get the excuses. Take action. My end. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It was awesome having you here.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hey, 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 don't leave this episode yet. I have a very important announcement for you. I want you to go to mrproductivity.com right now and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs Absolutely for free. It's my gift to you. And while you're at MrProductivity.com, I want you to click on the tab that talks about my digital productivity coaching program. I call it DPC. This program is incredible. And I'm super excited about it because one via a dedicated app, you get daily, yes, daily coaching and accountability prompts from me and the ability to ask me questions, short questions in the app. You get a live group coaching call every single, well, month with me, Third, you get access to a DPC members only community online, and it's not a Facebook group. And fourth, you get replays of all the group coaching calls and my Saturday morning trainings. Now my Saturday morning trainings are free, but there's no replay, but DPC members get access to the training, to the replays part of their membership. Now what's this cost you? You may think thousands of dollars. No, it's $49 a month. That's less than $2 a day. So check out the digital productivity coaching program and grab the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs at my website, mrproductivity.com.